Good morning. I'm Mark Sloan, the director of the military ministry here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church. In the next month, in July, we're going to have hundreds of families moving into the area. If you live in a neighborhood with military members and military families, we want to provide a simple solution for meeting your neighbors and an opportunity for you to be able to invite them to church. So after the service, go to the information table or see your site pastor, and we'll have Centerpoint brochures and a Chick-fil-A gift card that you can use to meet your neighbors. So here's the plan. Step one, after the service, grab the brochures and gift cards. Step two, when your neighbors move in, simply go across the street, hand them a brochure and a gift card. And step three is to follow up the next week, maybe a little bit later. What you want to do is after they've unpacked all the boxes, you want to go back to them with maybe some kind of dessert, a plate of cookies, brownies, and invite them to come experience the Centerpoint worship with you as a family. I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do through the relationships that he'll build in our neighborhoods with our military. Well, good morning. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here, and I am excited about our opportunities to reach out to military folks. It's, it's really important we do so. Uh, there are all kinds of men and women uh, that are moving into our neighborhood this time of year who uh, uh, protect our freedoms, serve our country, and it's a great way to reach out to them. We just want you to help do that, and who knows? You might be able to pray for them, serve them in a valuable way, and if they're needing a church home, we'd love for them to come visit. So I um, hope you'll take advantage of that. And um, uh, reach out to them the way Mark suggested. I also want to, before I start, though, I just want to say a word about uh, the shootings that happened in South Carolina this last week. A uh, horrible thing where a prayer meeting uh, was interrupted by gunfire. Nine people were killed uh, by a young man who was racist, uh, killed nine African-American folks who were praying. And um, that touches me as a pastor. I mean, it really does, because we pray for all kinds of interactions with the Lord. The last couple of weeks, we've been going through a series on Daniel. We talked about spiritual warfare, and you talk about the devil having his way in somebody's life. That young man said he hoped he did that so he could hopefully start a race war. Well, I love it because I have friends who are in ministry in South Carolina, and some of them post on Facebook and other places pictures of them praying now, African-Americans, Asians, uh, Caucasians, everybody holding hands, praying, and some of the Facebook posts back from them are, uh, to the person who thought he could start a race war, you won't win. And uh, I love that when Christians say, we're not going to let that happen here. I mean, racism is a horrible sin. Murder is a horrible sin. And I love it when Christians stand up and say, we're going to join hands. If that's the intent of the devil, we're not giving in to that. And so I want to pray that we won't give in to that. I want to pray that we'll be good neighbors to military folks when they move in, and also that we won't give in to the devil's schemes. And then I got a great message for Father's Day that I'm itching to get to. So I'm going to get to that in a little bit, but I wanted to pray about these things first. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you for the men and women who serve our country and the military, and that we have a great military base here in the Montgomery area. And God, I'm grateful for them, and I just pray we'll be good neighbors to them. And if we got folks moving in our neighborhood, we'll go and be kind and neighborly. Pray for them. If they need a church home, I pray that we'll invite them so they can visit with us. Father, and I also thank you for the Christians who are uniting in South Carolina, Charleston area. Lord, I love it when Christians get together and we intentionally take a bold step and say, we're not going to give in to the schemes of the devil. He comes to steal and kill and destroy, and there's a, a very wicked thing was done this last week, a horrible thing. And I thank you that Christians have united 
I'm not going to give in to the devil's schemes. I pray that you would show us how to take strong stands against racism. It's a problem here in our state, too. And if we give in to hate, who knows what could happen? We're not going to do it. And so, Father, just show us how to live out our faith in meaningful ways. Pray for strength to do so. I pray this message I have today will be a part of that. I pray that you'll speak and you'll move me out of the way and remind us of some things that are terribly important on this Father's Day. Thank you for the dads that are here. Thank you for everyone who's here. I pray this will be a real challenge to all of us. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline of where I'm headed today. The topic for today is sowing and reaping. It's a message that applies to us, but to all of us, but I'm going to make a lot of applications to dads. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks or take some notes, just raise your hand. If you can get a pen on the way in, we'll be glad to bring one to you. Uh, the idea about this came earlier this year um, when I was reading a devotional about sowing and reaping, and it was been on the back burner in my head now. I've been chewing on this for months, and so there's a bunch of stuff I want to cover, and I'm going to jump right in. Three important principles about sowing and reaping. First of all, we will reap what we sow. We will reap what we sow. Um, Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, uh, I just stopped by the grocery store and picked up some produce, picked up uh, a couple of years of corn, picked up some cucumbers. And if you saw me out working in a garden and you saw me planting a bunch of corn kernels and said, what are you planting? I'm planting corn. It's like, why? It's like, because I love cucumber salad. You go, well, John, why are you planting corn if you want cucumbers? Because if I plant the corn, then cucumbers will come up. You go, John, it doesn't work that way. Or if you saw me planting cucumbers, and, okay, do you like salad? It's like, no, I love corn on the cob. Well, John, you're not going to get corn on the cob if you plant cucumber seeds. And when I tell you about this and I say, well, hey, what you plant is what you harvest. What you sow is what you reap. You go, well, yeah, of course, everybody knows that. Everybody knows you can save 15% on car insurance, too. But, but the point is, <laughs> whatever the ad is, okay, uh, everybody knows that when it comes to a garden. But did you know we don't know that in every other area of our life or in many other areas of our lives? Let me give you an example. Hey, I'm not going to eat right or exercise, but 20 years from now, I'm going to be in good health. I'm going to live beyond my means. I'm going to run up my credit card for decades. And when I retire, there'll be plenty of money in the bank. I'm not going to date my spouse. I'm not going to invest in conversation. And 15 years from now, man, our marriage will be hitting on all cylinders. And you go, no. Well, wait, yeah. And what can happen in our lives is, whether we like to admit it or not, we can sow one kind of seed and expect a completely different harvest. And the Bible says this isn't just true for gardening. This is true in every part of our lives. That's the way God made the world. You will reap what you sow. That's point number one. We will reap what we sow. Would you say that with me, please? We will reap what we sow. One more time. We will reap what we sow. Not just true with vegetables. It's true with everything. So point A, this is, that was Galatians 6, 7. Here's the first half of Galatians 6, 8. The one who sows to please a sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. If I sow sin, I'm going to reap destruction. The Bible goes on to say, here are some examples that it gives. If you set a trap for others, you'll get caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it'll crush you instead. That's Proverbs 26. 
Job 4.8, my experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. I mean, it's true in our lives. If we set out and gossip about people, going around, getting our nose into everybody else's business, talking about other people's affairs and stuff like this, all of a sudden we go, I don't understand how come I don't have any friends. Well, I do. You're a gossip and a busybody, and nobody likes that. I mean, if you want cucumbers, you're not going to get it by planting corn. If you want good friends, you're not going to get it by gossiping and sticking your nose in everybody's business. It's not going to work. And it's just true. Now, that's true on the negative side. Let me give you something on the positive side. It's also true on the positive side. If I plant corn and I want corn, that's a good idea. If I want cucumbers, plant the seeds. But those who live to please the Spirit, here's the second half of Galatians 6, 8. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Plant the good seeds of righteousness, Hosea 10, 12, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your heart, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. James says those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace, they'll reap a harvest of goodness. So it works either way. We will harvest what we plant. We will reap what we sow. So here's a life application for dads. We can choose, well, it's a life application for all of us, and I'll give some specific applications. I'll expand it for dads here. We can choose, we can choose what crops we want to harvest in our lives. We choose. I get to choose what goes in my garden. So do you. If you have a garden, you get to choose. But don't kid yourself if you plant one crop that you're going to get another. What you plant is what you'll harvest. Here are a couple of questions for dads because it's Father's Day. The rest of you, I think you can make application on this. Don't you realize, uh, well, it, it goes this, three questions for fathers here. What dreams do I have for my family? What dreams? What values do I want to pass on to my kids? Where am I spending my resources, my time, my money, my skills, my abilities? It wasn't that long ago I was with a dad, and he was really frustrated because his son has turned into pretty much a spendthrift. I mean, he just spends money like water. And he was fussing at him and all these things. And I said, well, you know, what makes you so frustrated about that? He goes, well, I never spent money like that. Heck, when I was his age, I didn't have any money. I worked two jobs, put myself through college and skin, you know, just got through by the skin of my teeth and other things. I go, well, you know, what, what does he pay for? Well, he didn't pay for anything. I mean, I didn't want him to have to go through all that hard stuff I went through. So I've pretty much given him whatever he needed, whatever he asked for. So the hard work and the scrimping through is, is you know, skimping and and saving and making do with what you had, getting real creative with that, that's what made you a good money manager, right? Yeah. So you took that away, and now you're expecting that by showering with all this stuff that it's going to turn out great. I mean, if you want to teach him money management, you're going to have to let him suffer the consequences when he runs out of money. If you spoil him rotten, well, you're going to get a spoiled kid. And it's true. When we're parents, we a lot of times shelter our kids from the very thing that made us strong. And you parents don't have to nod on that because we know it's true. So three questions again for dads. What dreams do you have for your family? What values do you want to pass on to your kids? Where am I spending my resources, my time, my money, my skills, my abilities to make that happen? I mean, if I, what I plant is what comes up, well, what am I investing in? I mean, if I want kids that are well-mannered, but I'm not around to teach them manners, well, where are they going to learn it? And why would I assume that that's automatically going to come up? 
I skipped this reference for. Let me go back to it here. Romans 6.16. Don't you realize you become a slave whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. works both ways. If I invest time in my kids, it'll pay off. If I don't, it won't. I'm going to get the crop that I plant. Now, I, don't want you just to, I don't want you to just take my word for it. Butcher Tan is here, and uh, Butch, if you wouldn't mind coming up here for a minute. Butch has just gotten back from a uh, mission trip. And uh, Butch, just come on in here. Uh, tell, tell everybody where you went. Uh, we were in Guatemala. What were you doing there? Uh, we were putting in a water well and uh, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's Living Water Ministries, is that the name of it? Living Water International. Yeah, and so you guys will drill wells so people who need fresh water have it, but then you also tell them about the Lord. That's correct. And so um, you've been on, this was your first trip? No, this is number six. <laughs> yeah, this is number six. And uh, before you went on these six mission trips, you were involved in missions before that, giving and praying, right? Oh, yes. You know, I've always felt led to give. Yeah. I always felt led to pray. And I always wondered why God never called me to go anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, one Sunday, we had a living water presentation here, and when I saw that, I knew that's what God wanted me to do, and I've been going since. Yeah, now, here's what's interesting, too. When you go on these trips, you don't just go by yourself. You take family along, right? Yes, this past trip, I had uh, two of my daughters and a son-in-law. Oh, the son-in-law. Well, he, this gets good. All right. He, he's family, too. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So why is that important, take your kids along? Well, it's important to show them what it's like to serve other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to do it here and, you know, serve, be a good friend, be a good neighbor. But it's an extra step to go out of the country and actually sacrifice uh, living conditions, a week of your time that you could be spending at the beach, and actually serving other people and concentrate for a whole week on doing nothing but serving someone else. And seeing what God's doing in another part of the world. And see what God does. Yeah, now it was funny because the reason I talked to you about this, the reason I wanted you to come up here, you said something else that really piqued my interest when we talked about this earlier. Now, is this that you think that's an important role as a dad to teach your kids how to do that stuff? Oh, sure. You know, I, I, I taught them how to hunt, uh, taught them how to drive, taught them the importance of going to school, taught them the importance of being where you're going supposed to be on time, and uh, taught them how to be good football fans. Hmm. There you that, go. <laughs> that didn't work totally correct because yeah, we're kind of split. Yeah, because your kids cheers for the wrong team. Yeah, that's correct. There you go. I won't say which one. There we go. Uh, no, but uh, the point is, though, you did this, and you think it's important for dads to teach their kids about missions the same way. Most definitely. It's uh, why wouldn't you want to teach your children how to serve other people and to be a servant as Jesus Christ was? I mean, that, to me, that's the most important thing I can do. What would you say to somebody, you know, it was a long time before you went on a mission trip, what would you say to somebody who says, I don't know if I could do that. I don't think I could go on a mission trip. What would you say? Well, I'd say, um, have you ever prayed about something and... Hmm. God answered a prayer in your life, and it was through someone or something. What that person said, uh, I don't, I don't want to do that. When you go on a mission trip, God calls you to go. You have the opportunity to be an answer to someone's prayer, and that's really powerful. Think about that. You have the opportunity to be an answer to prayer, and that's what I tell my team. And your kids. And my kids. Thanks so much for all you do. Can we give them a round of applause? I appreciate that. Thanks, Bert. Okay, so point one is we will reap what we sow. Before I leave this point completely, though, turn your outline over to the back. On question seven for the Connect Group questions, there's a uh, quote there from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Some of you know this a lot better than I do. You've heard this from a long time, that if I sow a thought, 
I reap an action. If I sow an action, I reach a ha- reap a habit. If I sow a habit, I reap a character. If I sow a character, I reap a destiny. I mean, it's just an expansion of what we're talking about here. I can kid myself in our society today, we deny all kinds of stuff. And we love to blame other people. Well, yeah, this happened, but it wasn't my fault. It was your fault. Yeah, I wanted to lose weight, but it wasn't my fault. The hot donut donut light was on at Krispy Kreme. I had to pull in. If they wouldn't have turned down that light, I wouldn't have stopped there. I mean, we love to blame everybody. This is about personal responsibility. God gave us a brain. He expects us to use it. And men on Father's Day, guys, this is a challenge to all of us. We get a chance to lead. I'm proud of Butch leading his kids on those things. What goals do you and I have for our kids or grandkids? What are we doing about this? It's about choices. About saying, hey, I'm investing this. I want good ears of corn. I'm going to plant corn. I want cucumbers. That's what I'm going to plant. If I want kids that are honest, I'm going to teach them. Because that's important to me. Because I believe that what I sow, that's what I'm going to reap. Point two, we will reap more than we sow. See, that's the funny thing about planting things in your garden. You plant a few seeds, a whole lot of them come up. I'm holding an ear of corn here right now. Uh, I just picked this up at the grocery store. This is an ear that's been chopped on both ends, and it's not even a very big one. I mean, I've been some irrigated cornfields before. This is not near a corn. This is puny, okay? There's 500 kernels on this little cob right here, almost 500 of them. If you get out in a cornfield where those stalks are 10, 12 feet tall, it'll have three and four ears on one stalk, and each of those ears will have a thousand. It'll be twice as big. Good eating, too. One little kernel in the ground, all of a sudden it yields thousands of kernels. Or you take cucumbers. One little cucumber seed, you plant that in the garden. Some of you, you have this now. I know because you're offering me cucumbers every time I see you, okay? <laughs> they come in a packet. you got dozens and dozens of seeds. Yeah, let's put them out. And then you realize each plant can yield five to ten pounds or, you know, or more than that. I was looking up on the... Agriculture, the Department of Agriculture website that the average cucumber plant, if it's watered and taken care of, yields five pounds of cucumbers. Think if you had 100 plants, you'd have 500 pounds of cucumbers. I think some of y'all did that. My mom used to do that with zucchini. She'd get the packet and put it all out in a big garden and water it. The joke was, how do you grow zucchini? Put the seed in the ground, put the sprinkler on it, and run, okay? Because <laughs> that stuff would just grow like crazy, and then when that would all come uh, to fruition, my goodness, we'd have zucchini bread and zucchini casserole and flaming zucchini surprise for dessert. (laughs) We ate zucchini talking out of our ears because mom was just trying to get rid of it. I'm going to get more than I want. I'm not just going to get, if I plant a seed, I'm not going to get one cucumber. I'm going to get five pounds. I'm not just going to get one kernel. Well, the same thing's true for good or for bad in other areas of my life. I invest time with my kids. That's going to pay off with my grandkids down the road. 
I invest in other employees at work, well, that's going to pay off big dividends when the company expands. On the other hand, I say a word of gossip. It gets in the wrong hands or somebody posted on Facebook. <whistles> Hundreds of people know I said that. Uh, the Bible's clear on this. Not only that we'll reap what we sow, but we will reap more than what we sow. Can we say that together? We will reap more than we sow. One more time. We will reap more than we sow. If you have discovered this in your life, for good and for bad, would you say amen? amen? Now, we can deny this and blame everybody else. Well, I didn't mean for that to happen. It wasn't my fault. Really? A whole lot of things we need to own up to. Here's what Jesus said about it. Hey, don't judge others, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn others, or it'll all come back against you. Forgive others, and you'll be forgiven. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, running over, and then poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. If I'm generous, then I'll receive generosity. If I judge, I'll be judged. And that's the way it works, too. If we show respect, we get respect. We stick our nose in other people's business, like I said before. Nobody wants us around. And it always comes back more than we bargained for, for good and for bad. I mean, sometimes you just did one kind act, and all of a sudden you get all this applause and recognition, and you go, I, I don't even remember why, I don't even know why everybody's making such a big deal out of it. But it turned out to be a timely thing. On the other hand, well, all I said was this, it only takes one spark, James says, to set a whole forest on fire. Now our tongues can be that spark. Flip your outline over, Hosea 8, 7. They sow the wind, reap the whirlwind. What I sow is what I'll reap. I'm going to reap more than what I planted. I don't, you don't plant a kernel of corn and pop, up comes a plant with one kernel on it. You got ears of this stuff. It's 12 feet tall in the right soil. Not just one cucumber. You got a wheelbarrow full of this stuff. Life application, you and I can choose. Here we go again, same thing as point one. I can choose. I can choose how much I want to harvest. Paul talks about this. Remember this, farmer who plants a few seeds will get a small crop. The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Works for good and for bad. If I say few words, my chances of saying things I shouldn't, if I'm careful about what I say, chances of saying things I shouldn't go way down. I talk to everybody, I talk a lot. Chances of saying things I shouldn't say, way up. I do acts of kindness. I'm looking out for other people and trying to serve people every day. Chances of other people helping me, way up. If I'm bitter and angry and criticizing everybody, chances of people criticizing me, they go way up too. I'm not just going to get what I sow. I'm going to get more than what I sow. Here are six investments for dads. Again, now look, it's Father's Day, so I'm doing the dad thing, all right? I'm a dad. Father's Day, so I'm going to make applications to dads. I think all the rest of us can figure out how to apply these things to our lives too. If you can't, email me. I'll be glad to help you. 
But this is true for all of us. But dads, here's something for each of us. These are six small investments. If I'm just going to take one kernel off this cob, uh, I can't pry one loose without mashing it. Okay, if I take one kernel off this cob and I'm going to plant it in the ground and grow it, well, what are some little seeds that could grow into big uh, rewards to a big harvest later? Well, here are six, that, and I, this isn't anything profound. It's just six things I think would help any dad. First of all, family devotions, family devotional times. When we read the Bible and we pray, focus on God at home, not just going to church. That's one of them later on, but family devotional times, small things, but it pays big dividends. When kids are praying on their own and they're reading the Bible on their own. Secondly, regular dates with our wives. I mean, I'm grateful that, uh, for, for my wife. We are empty nesters now. My youngest son is off of college, and it's just my wife and I at home now, and I like it. I love it. I mean, that's been the goals we raised our kids, that they would leave and she would stay. <laughs> and we've been investing in our relationship and dating and other things so when the kids leave, we like each other. We want to be together. And now we're dating again. When we went out to dinner on a Tuesday night. Didn't go to any baseball games or anything a while back. And we felt like we were playing hooky. Okay? You know, it was great. And uh, we were sitting there going, hey, this is fun. But I meet other people and got busy with work, got busy with the kids' schedules and other things, and just kind of drifted apart. And one day they... Look over the newspaper or the bowl of cereal in the morning and go, who are you? They can't even remember why they got married. Now that the kids are gone, there's nothing holding them together. And I wish I could tell you that's very rare, but it's not. What do I want to harvest? How much do I want to harvest? Well, it depends on what I'm planting. If I'm planting only the career, if I'm planting only the kids... Well, there's nothing left over for the spouse. I mean, this is true. I sow a thought, I'll reap an action. I sow an action, I'll reap a habit. I sow a habit, I'll reap a character or a marriage. And if I don't do any of this, well, I can tell you the destiny of that marriage. And this is the way it works. It's true in the garden, true in marriage. Dads regularly spending individual time with our children, spending time with my spouse on dates, spending time with individually on, with, on kids. I know dads that take their girls out for a date. They'll take their sons out fishing. You go, ah, it's just one seat. I mean, what would an afternoon fishing mean to a kid? The world. The world. Everything. It's just an afternoon. Not to him. It's just breakfast. Not to her. Saying what needs to be said. That's the fourth bullet point there. Got a couple more. Saying what needs to be said. Here are a couple things that need to be said. Dads, we need to say I love you daily, no matter what's going on, because we love them good or bad. We need to say I'm proud of you often. Now, you don't need to say that about everything. There's some things you're not proud of that they do. You don't lie. But when they do things you're proud of, tell them, hey, I'm proud of you. Good job of that. Oh, man, I know so many guys, they would give anything for their dad to tell them. Even grown men. My dad's never told me he's proud of me one time. Whew. And then, 
I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. You do that as needed. How are kids going to learn to apologize if we don't? It starts at home. I mean, if we plan a home where there's love and there's forgiveness and there's respect and recognition. Well, that young man, that young girl, that's the love and respect and recognition they'll show our grandkids, and that's the crop I want. Well, let's work on it. That's what, let's plant. Let's get more of it. Regularly attending worship. I mean, family devotions at home. Worship matters. When dad takes the family to church, the kids are much more likely to stay in church. If it's just mom, when they grow up, oh, I'm not going. And finally, eating dinner together as a family at least three nights a week. Blank is no TV or cell phones. No screens. TV off, phone off. Everybody's phone's off. We're sitting around the table. We're going to look at each other in the eye, and we're going to talk about school, or we're going to talk about family, the upcoming vacation. We're going to talk about what's going on in each other's lives. We're going to all eat together. And we're going to join hands. We're going to thank God for the food. And before we leave the table, we're going to pray for each other about the things that we just learned that are coming up. That's transformational, men. That'll transform the world if it changes us first. But my goodness, you can go out to a restaurant anywhere and you'll see a whole family sitting there and everybody's on the phone. And some of them are texting the person sitting right there. You know, you can do that without the phone company. I mean, what are we becoming? And so, dads, this is where we got to lead. I can't plant corn and expect cucumbers to come up. I'll get corn. I won't just get one kernel. I'm going to get a bunch. Knowing that, I'm going to plant what I want. And these are some things that have big dividends. Small little seeds. Just praying together every night? Yeah, huge dividends down the road. We're going to reap what we sow. We're going to reap more than what we sow. Thirdly, we're going to reap later than we sow. Now, I took you back to the original verse. It says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. There are lots of mockers in our society. They mock God and they say, well, I did this. It didn't strike me dead. If God's up there, how come he hasn't knocked me out of the picture yet? I don't listen to anything he says and I'm doing fine. My friends, they're trading on God's gracious kindness. It's point A. You and, I don't, um, you and I don't always experience immediate consequences for sin because God is patient and kind. I mean, as a father, I know that. As my boys have gone through the teenage years, there's times when they find me amazingly patient and kind. One of them asked me not long ago, Dad, why were you so patient and kind about that? It's because I was a teenager once, and I remember a time when I didn't have a lick of sense either. Okay? I mean, you didn't show a lick of sense. Your grandfather was patient with me because he didn't have a lick of sense when he was a teenager. And his, my grandfather was patient with him. And one day you'll have kids and I'll be laughing because you're going to have to be patient with them. It's true. Now, if I know that about being a dad going, hey, I need to cut him some slack here. He's learning a valuable lesson. I could throw the book at him, but I'm not going to. And you'd say, hey, that's important for dads to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I know that, and God doesn't know that. 
The Bible says God knows that a thousand times, what you and I know. Listen to this, Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He'll not always accuse, nor harbor his anger forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, underline that here on this Father's Day, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how, we, how we're formed. He remembers that we're only dust. He's the one who made us. Of course he's compassionate and slow. But don't trade on that and say, so sin doesn't matter to him. When I'm gracious and kind to my boys and I don't throw the book at them, that's the wrong time to bring up how soft I am. Don't do that. My friends, this is why we tell people to come to Christ. There's still time. There's time to repent. There will be a judgment day. Christ will return one day. We talked about the prophecy stuff last week. But he's given people more time to repent because he's patient and kind. Not weak or uncaring. Let's not misinterpret this. And don't buy into that mockery. I don't see anything happening. I'm not doing what you're doing and I'm okay. For now. Talk to some of those same people 10 years later. All kinds of things came up. And there are a lot of people that are sowing wild oats and they're praying for crop failure. It's coming. Point B, you and I don't always see immediate rewards for obedience either because God has bigger plans. You put that seed corn in the ground, it doesn't come up in a day. You got to give it the full growth uh, gestation time. You got to give it the full uh, time needed for whatever crop you're growing. The Lord says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. This is Isaiah 55. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How does that apply to this? Well, Hebrews 11 says why. In Hebrews 11, if you read the whole chapter, you can read about all the great heroes of the faith in the Bible. And it says this, all these heroes, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God has something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. God revealed to the prophets prophecies about Jesus and about Israel, things that were fulfilled when Christ came, so that everything they said pointed to him. There are things that are yet to be fulfilled in the history of the world that have not happened yet, again, which will point back to Christ, because this is what he said would come, to draw all men to Christ. They had part of the answers. There are certain things going on in our lives that God has for us to do. And God is working all things together for his good. And there are some things that only get fulfilled in time. And God can see the big picture and we can't. There are so many things in my life I have a completely different perspective on than I did 20 years ago. Things that I thought were horrible for me now turn out to be the best thing. I mentioned before the dad who had to work hard and save every nickel just to get through school. Well, that's what made him a good money manager, right? At the time, he didn't go, I love scrimping and getting by. Now he looks back on it, that really helped me. The Lord knows these things. He's a good dad. And so we don't always get an immediate answer. We don't get immediate punishment when we sin. We don't always get an immediate reward when we obey. 
With those things in mind, flip your outline or go to the last page of your outline real quickly. Two things are very important here. In light of this, we must not give up. I mean, if we don't get an immediate, if you plant the corn in the ground, put some water on it, and you don't get an ear of corn the next minute, give it time. Hey, if you're praying for a family member and they haven't come to Christ yet, give it time. You've been kind to your neighbors and you've prayed for them a lot, but there really doesn't seem to be an open door to do anything more. Give it time. Keep planting the right seed. You'll get a harvest. Here's what the Bible says. Let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Next to that, you can write Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. That's a proverb. That's the way things generally happen. We've invested in our kids, and we're praying that the Lord will bring all that to bear when they need it. There's all kinds of lessons I learned from my parents that I didn't realize that I'd even learned until my kids came along. A second life application, you and I must not procrastinate. I mean, if we're going to reap what we sow, we're going to reap more than we sow, and we're going to reap later than we sow, well, if I want a good harvest, I ought to sow now. You're going to hear me say this many times if you come to center point, so you hear it again. Best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Next best time is today. Because 20 years from now, I'll have a tree. The Bible says it much better. Therefore, when we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially for those in the family of faith. What am I thinking about today? What am I doing today? What habits do I want to create? What habits do I want to break? Why would I wait? The Lord is patient and kind. He'll help us. The Bible tells us he forgives us for our sins if we come to him and confess them. We have each other. This is why we need other brothers and sisters in Christ to help us. So why would we wait? And dads, why would we wait with our families? Let's plant a good crop. Let's get 30, 60, 100 fold. What's more important than that? And with all these things in mind, I would love for all the dads to stand here and uh, those watching on video at each place. Every dad in every place where you can hear me or see me on the screen, please stand. We're going to pray for you. Just the dads. Father's Day, we're going to pray for dads. We're going to pray about these things, that we would not procrastinate, that we would not give up, that we'd surrender our lives fully to the Lord. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just want to pray about these things for every dad in the room. I'm a dad myself. First of all, Lord, I pray that we will not give up. We won't go weary in doing good. Every person in the sound of my voice, pray for the dads that are standing where you are and pray that they would not grow weary in doing good, that they would do the best they can and they wouldn't give up, even if they haven't received any applause, and even if it doesn't seem like anybody's listening. Pray they would not give up. Oh, Father, I just pray that we will keep, keep on keeping on. The right things to do, we do more of it, and not give up. Please give us the strength to be the dads you want us to be. Second thing, if there's something we need to change, something we need to get rid of, we realize we've been planting the wrong seed or investing in the wrong area, if God has spoken to you about that, all the men who are standing right now, dads, if you realize you've been putting time and resources in the wrong thing, confess to the Lord right now and say, God, I thank you. You've been patient and kind with me. I understand. Lord, you know I've been investing in the wrong area. Please forgive me. 
and help me start planting the right things. The rest of us, let's pray for them that they'll plant the right things, the right seed to get the right harvest. Oh God, you've given each of us personalities and skills and abilities and talents. I pray, Lord, we use these things for your glory. Lord, if we have dreams for our kids, you'd help us figure out how to do that. And finally, Father, I pray that we will not delay, we will not procrastinate. It takes time to grow a crop. It takes time to grow a kid. It takes time to strengthen a marriage. It takes time to build for the future. Everyone in the sound of my voice, would you pray for the men who are standing, the fathers who are standing, that they would not procrastinate. If they know the right thing to do, they'd get on with it. Father, I pray that if we need a kick in the pants, you'd give us a kick in the pants and we'd get going. There's no time better than today than to say I'm sorry, to say I love you, or I'm proud of you. There's no time better than today to start investing in our marriages and our kids. Start reading the Bible on our own. There's no time better. I thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. We pray these things. In the name of Jesus, and on this Father's Day, Lord, we thank you for being such a wonderful Father to us. In the strong name of Christ, we pray. Amen.